Hello and welcome to Real Property Advice, episode one. Today I'm sitting with my mate Jason Stock and we're going to give you a bit of a background of how we got into the industry and uh, what makes us tick. So Jason, what makes you tick? What makes me tick? <laughs> Real estate, I guess, Scott. I've, uh, I've been an agent now for uh, since May 2011. Uh, got into the industry on the back end of uh, having been a buyer and or a seller 22 times prior to that. Um, but got in the industry in May 2011 uh, after financially losing everything, partly with great thanks or not so great thanks to an agent, which is what motivated me to become one. Um, probably prior to that, um, I'd done a few things like a lot of people, I guess I sort of stumbled into to real estate in some ways, did my, did my first property deal, made a lot of money and went, wow, this is pretty good. <laughs> um, so we did... Uh, Things like a, a seven-lot subdivision, uh, took a 25-lot of the DA approval, renovated a couple of houses, built a couple of speckies. Uh, my second-ever investment property was a suburban shopping centre, which is always a, a fun project to be involved in, dealing with commercial tenants. Um, but, but yeah, that's sort of my background. Um, I, through that journey, I did things like, uh, for example, I was a mortgage broker for property investors for two years as well. So you just uh, learnt a lot along the way. And and uh, after losing everything financially, I guess we'll, I was looking for something to do to get back on my feet again, um, both emotionally and financially, and uh, decided real estate was the one thing that I knew. So hence, I became an agent. How about you, mate? How'd you get into the industry? Uh, yeah, probably uh, nothing is as fancy as what you're saying there. Mine was a series of events that kind of ended up as a default, really. Um I started Real Property Advice in 2009, but really uh, things began much earlier on for my business journey than that. Um, in 2003, I'd had an extensive career in telecommunications and uh, decided to get out of that. Uh, I didn't want any more staff. I didn't want any more stock, and it wasn't my business anyway. So uh, in late 2003, I was looking at positive cash flow property, uh, it was tickling my fancy over here in Australia, and um, I just liked it. I mean, who doesn't like cash flow, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but my search led me over to the US, and uh, that's where I found some really high-yielding property. So in 04, I'd, I'd packed up uh, from my last job, left that, uh, and it was a, almost a 10-year career there, and I was lining up contracts uh, contacts and and uh, connections over in the US, ready to go and buy over there. So the boom was slowing in Australia at that point, and what was happening was Aussie investors were looking to go to New Zealand uh, as their next port of call. And I looked at the New Zealand market and I said, well, if they do that, uh, that's going to cause a real problem. I mean, there's there's quite a few Aussies, less Kiwis. And if our Aussie investors go over there, that's going to be a problem. And I looked at the US market and went, well, if every single Aussie investor went over there, you know, they wouldn't even notice. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what I, that's what I went and did. So I headed over there to have a look around. And in the process, I'd met up with a guy in Melbourne who was an American and he was telling me all the, give me, give me a show of the ropes, I guess, of, of how their market worked. Uh, and, Things like wrapping, uh, foreclosures, 
um, buy to let, you know, just the terminologies and, and buying tax debts. You know, you can buy a property as it just on a tax debt. You know, all this stuff I had no idea about because we just really didn't hear about it over here. Uh, I was getting the, the rundown of it, so to speak, from over there. <clears throat> so from 2004 to five, I was back and forwards between Aussie and US uh, and managing properties that we'd had on buy and hold over there. And that was really the hard part. They, they have very different rules surrounding their property management. If they got rules, I'd like to know if they got any. <laughs> uh, it's very different to ours. If you think your Australian property manager is hard to deal with, they're not. They're great. Try and you deal with an, an American one. And it just money would go missing, all sorts of weird things. So the other thing that we found over there is that um, they just don't have a lot of structures around the property industry. And that was a real problem when we're trying to take clients over with us. So their lawyers are also very expensive. You know, your Aussie lawyer might be expensive, but they just find ways to charge in the US because they can. So the thing I found that was in the market, there was price rises. There was price rises in the market for no apparent reason, just kept going up and up. I had no idea why I couldn't work it out. And that was, you know, disconcerting to say the least. So at the time we were buying dual OC properties, so dual income sort of stuff that you see now for around $45,000 Aussie renovating them and uh, flipping them or selling them and uh, or keeping them for cash flow. So that was great. Uh, we kept some for holding income, flipping some because there's some good profits on the flip as well. And that was all good till our contractor, as they call them over there, so the, uh, you know, the builder, um, got sued. <laughs> so uh, he had another group of investors that said he was doing a dodgy thing, which I don't think he was. Anyway, the county office puts a stock trade on him. So it means that he can't do anything, and it just across all sites. Wow. So, uh, of course, that affected our in-process renovations, <laughs> and uh, that, was, that was a problem. So that coupled with the uh, difficulty dealing with the property managers and the market that just kept changing pricing for no apparent reason, I sort of I pulled the pin. So I come back, my wife had given birth to our first child then, and I wanted to be home more often, and I didn't like the flights. So I wanted to help people buy still, and decided to do the property sourcing thing back here, and didn't know what it was called, it was called a buyer's agent, and I had to be a licensed real estate agent, oh, okay, go and do the course, and, and that, that was that. So in the meantime, I was doing spec house builds with a mate, and it wasn't you, uh, even though you were doing speckies at a similar time by the looks of it, but uh, you know that was good. So we'd done our first one on the Sunshine Coast. It went well. So we tied up a few more blocks in our own names because uh, we're doing them there back in those days uh, that way. Uh, so I'd started the, the buyer's agency back home and our, our speckies were getting sold. They're, they're doing okay, but I didn't want to do any more. Uh, I wanted to focus on the buyer's agency. That's, that was just a side thing to fill in time, really, the specky. So... I, I didn't sign any more blocks of land and I decided to, uh, we'd been working in an estate with a specific developer and I said, look, I don't want to settle on this last block. I, I don't want to do it. We, we've done plenty. You've done quite well out of us, you know. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay, no worries. <clears throat> anyway, that was in the early days. I'm still green. So about three weeks later, I get a letter in the mail and he's suing us for losses for non-settlement. <laughs> right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> So at, the, at that time, we had lawsuits going on in the US and uh, back at home in Oz. So fantastic, happy days for us. 
So uh, I called him up and I said, what's the go? You made a bucket load of money off us. We bought a lot of blocks of land. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know I have, yeah. Um, but you didn't settle on the last one. I'm like, so what's your point? And he's like, well, I was just waiting to see how much that last specky you sold uh, went for. He goes, I've done the figures in my head and um, pretty much I just want some of the profit. You know, <laughs> that's what he said to me. Wow. And I'm like, ah, okay, nice, hey. So that was a <clears throat> large learning curve, mate. Another, another, keep ticking them off, ticking them off. Anyway, we got an out-of-court settlement. Like, just uh, we had a meeting and said, okay, here's a figure and whatever. And we, you know, moved on. So I got past all that. We're doing, we're doing okay uh, with the new buyer's agency called Northcott Property. Took me all of about 30 seconds. And that was a slow time to think of that name. <laughs> <coughs> Pretty hard to piece together, I guess, how you got how I got that one. And but that changed pretty quick to Queensland buyer's agent because I didn't want to be have any association with a real estate agency. Like yep. I, it was really hard to define in those days. Yes. Oh, you do what? Yeah. You know, you're a sales, you know, you sell property. No, no, we don't sell, we don't. So I, I really had to change that name. Yep. And we did. Uh, somewhere around this time in like somewhere in 06 ish, I crossed paths with a bloke named Jason Stock. And uh, we got on well and, and kept in touch. And that just happens to be you sitting across from me now. So that's a long time ago. It is. I'd also brought on a partner uh, who was really good at sales. And we decided to market new house and land packages. That was his thing. But he needed the infrastructure that I'd already started to build in the business. So I said, yeah, okay, look, I'll provide that. You can do that. And away we went. Um, and that was going okay. It was uh, we doing some good stuff online and offline in terms of in the business. It was It was good. Uh, I'd also had on a buyer's agent uh, on staff as well at that time. So we closed for Christmas 2007, like we normally do, close for two weeks. And I told everyone I was going to take an extra week. Uh, so during the break, I texted everyone and said, oh, I'm going to take an extra week off. I hadn't had a holiday since 2004. Uh, you know, my, my wife was about to give birth to our second child. And I'm like, I'm going to take an extra week off. So... Um, it's pretty easy to do when you've got a, a business partner and you've got staff and that, right? You'd think. So in the extra week I took off, <coughs> my buyer's agent decided to leave and start her own agency uh, just because she felt like doing that then. That was the time that worked for her. Um, and my business partner told me that he's taking the sales and marketing business and branding going to do it all on his own. Fantastic. Yeah. Great week. It was a really good week. <laughs> so I returned to work with no staff and, and half a business gone. So that was that was uh, interesting. At the same time, though, I was noticing we're starting to see some of those weird price changes that I had seen in the US earlier on. Absolutely. And that got me going a bit, oh, what's going on here? You know, this was three years earlier. I was seeing the same things happen. This is just pricing growth for no apparent reason. The yield's all wrong. Uh, what's, what's going on? I, I didn't predict a GFC or anything. I just knew rent returns were not where they should be. Yep. The yields were incorrect. Yep. Um, in fact, I spent eight months telling people that they shouldn't buy property. So, you know, we lost half our business. Now I'm telling them not to buy because the yields are wrong. Wait till the yields get wrong. And I didn't have any idea until, you know, GFC happened. So we weren't directly affected by GFC, but our work obviously dried up real, real quick. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, my extended family decided in their wisdom somewhere in the end of 07, I think it was, or early 08, um, to buy a cafe on the beach. 
Yeah, because they all know how to... No do, comment. Yeah, they all know, all know how to run a cafe, of course. Of course. And that just turned into a disaster. And the timing pretty much couldn't be worse. So I ended up stepping in to help clean it up and eventually got closed it down, got out of lease and stopped the losses somewhere around a million dollars in cash. Uh, in fact, my father had built up a portfolio of five unencumbered properties, so no debt, uh, that almost all had to be sold wow. at that time to, to make that happen. So there was a bunch of other lessons there I got to learn, mate. So what? at this point, it sounds like days of our lives or something going on. Life is a good teacher. <laughs> <laughs> So I had minimal work, obviously, being a buyer's agent in that time. And uh, and we anything we did get was from the web uh, because we'd had this good, uh, relatively good name at the time, Queensland Buyer's Agent. Anyone typing in would go and find if they were looking for a Queensland Buyer's Agent, our site would pop up. This is the very early days of, of you know, search engine, Google optimization, that sort of stuff. Of course. <clears throat> then the hosting company that had the website went bust after GSC. <laughs> So now I had no active clients, You're on a roll. no cash reserves, and no web presence, <laughs> which was the only place I was getting work from for a time. So it was tough. It was, it was really tough. So we had, two, we had two kids now, and there was one night that my wife walked past the kids' bedroom, and there was cockies on the floor, and we, we didn't have beds. They had mattresses. So next day she sells her little fluffy white dog to go and buy bunk beds wow. and, uh, and, and a pest control for the house. Yep. You know, there's those things that you do, you know. Absolutely. And it's, it's pretty emotional you look back on that now and you think that was, you know, maybe, don't know if it was emotional at the time, but when you think when you, you think about everything else that comes with those times, as you know, the stuff that, you know, you've mentioned gone through. Well, ironically, that's, you know, not long off the period where we went from living in a million dollar home to living in a tent for three months. I mean, like a real tent. A real tent. You know, um, when we had two kids at the time as well. So I can directly relate to that, mate. And, and, and ironically, the night that I decided that um, I was getting back into the workforce, because I understand I hadn't worked for a couple of years because I was just buying and selling real estate. So I had no steady income or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I still remember we were parked up in a caravan park in a tent. It was torrential Queensland rain. Um, you know, my wife and two kids are asleep. There's like a river running underneath the tent. Um and, and I was in the deepest, darkest, darkest moment of my life. And I got up and went for a run the next morning. It was during that run. I'm like, I've got to get back to work. I've got to, I've got to change the, the, the cycle that I'm in. And um, it was on that run that I decided I'd be a real estate agent. Right. Mate, that's, that's, that's deep. It's, it was pretty full on, mate. I, 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 still remember, I still remember the day that the... Um, uh, what do you call them? Uh, the, uh, the the guy representing the bank knocked on the door. Mm-hmm. Straight out of Hollywood, mate. Cowboy hat, high heel Cuban cowboy boots, toothpick. I'm not kidding you. Had a toothpick <laughs> in his mouth and he served served me the warrant. I'm like, mate, you, I, I just laughed at him. I think he nearly punched me just because I laughed at him. <laughs> But then, um, you know, we had a, we literally had a couple of garage sales to sell as much stuff as we could because we knew we were going from a million-dollar home into a tent. And then whatever we didn't sell in the next two weekends at garage sales, we had three skipkins come in and just threw it all in a skipkin. Mate, yeah. Mate, <clears throat> mate, well, at least we still had a mattress. You only had a tent. Yeah, it was pretty a pretty challenging three months, mate. Mate, yeah, that is – it is it, – it, it gets like that. There was another time that we um, – because the money was very spasmodic, I guess, uh, for us, you know, with our the way our business was at the time. And we were really, you know, getting pretty low in the cupboard on food. So we packed up the uh, the boys' guinea pigs 
and took them down to the local pet shop and sold them for five bucks each wow. to the pet shop. And uh, that night we got to have rice for dinner. Yep. That was a nice treat. Yep. And, and, and even though those really, really tough times like that was, you know, wasn't two years, the whole time period it took for us about a couple of years. You know, it was it was just really difficult. Yes. Um, and every time that we wanted to give up, uh, a call would come out of the blue, and this odd buyer's agent job would appear and yeah. give us enough money to keep going till the next time we didn't have enough money. You know what I mean? Like it was really really odd. Yeah. But I didn't want to. I didn't want to live this way, and I know that you, you know you didn't, and I need to change tact. So I looked at the market and went, well, people are confused about the market. And I was no super forecaster, but uh, I had twice picked uh, trends that were warning signs to our clients. Around this time, the end of 2009, I stumbled on a domain name for sale. I was into domain names, liked buying good ones, and I found the domain name propertyadvice.com.au. I went, I knew right away that's what I wanted. I wanted that domain name, and that's what I wanted to be called. Uh, Things were still really, really tight at the time. And at that point, I'd had a lady come work for me. And she actually loaned us the money to buy the domain name. Wow. Uh, like it wasn't a $20 domain name, but it wasn't hugely expensive. No, no. But, you know, we just didn't have the cash. And she, she still works for us today and is a very valued member of our team. And her support back then and her contribution now is still a very important part of our business. So we reinvented our business and called it Real Property Advice. So propertyadvice.com.au was created. And we didn't just do the buyer's agent thing. We also advised the advisors on advanced property strategies and complicated property issues. So we also implemented a vendor's advocacy service where we screened and managed and appointed the right agents for our clients who then wanted to sell. And that was stemmed from the from the GFC because we had clients that wanted to sell but didn't want a fire sale or wanted to choose a good agent, that sort of thing. And so we had a bit of a service that, that did that. And it really described and encompassed what we did well. So from then on, it was better sailing, not easy, just... Better. Just better. Yep. Still not easy. Can relate to that. And by 2011, I was introduced to a financial planner uh, and a real estate agent running courses on the Sunshine Coast about property investing. And I was asked to come and help out with that. And I did. The financial planner left uh, after a little while. And then I was asked to step up to the plate and be the other talking head on the other side of the the uh, you know, the two people on stage. Yep. So that was pretty good. That was nice. So I did that for a couple of things, uh, a couple of years, and things were you know going well, uh, full steam ahead now. And the one question a lot of my clients kept asking was, uh, is there a better way to do this property thing? You know, like, do we just do buy and holds forever and a day? And I answered was, you know, yes, there is, but I'm not ready or confident to give you the right answer just yet. So in 2014, I met with a guy who had a new property advertised for sale. uh, And one of our clients was looking for that type of property. And he was on the coast. So I met up with him. We got on well. Um, he wasn't slimy. He seemed approachable. I still had my watch on after I shook hands, you know, things <laughs> like that. And, and, uh, and we kept in touch. Uh, I think we bought one property over time uh, the next year with him. And that was it. And we got chatting the next year when we bought that property and his background was development. And he filled us in on an idea that he really had this passion to teach people about development. And I, and I listened to him quite intensely. And I, yeah, okay, that's good. And I'm thinking about our clients. And I went, you know what? Our clients could use this, except they're not going to want to be taught development. You know, these guys pay me to buy them a property. They don't have, they're time poor. They don't have time for this sort of thing. So I approached this bloke and said, how about 
we have a service where we can do some developments for clients because these guys want to do stuff, but they don't want to learn it. They don't want to learn it. They, they just, just want to put their money in. Absolutely. That's just what they want to do. And he goes, yep, that's a great idea. So in uh, November 15, I sent, I handpicked 15 email addresses from our database. I think about five were industry partners. There's probably about 10 clients or something all up. And I emailed out and I said, we'd identified a property in Nambour. We need 300 or 350,000 or something to do this development. Let me know if you're interested. And in 24 hours, we had one half million dollars. Nice. <laughs> I, hadn't see, I hadn't seen anything like it, mate. Love your clients? No, I hadn't seen anything. It was pledged. It wasn't putting out a count or anything. Just like hands up. Yep, I'm keen. I've got, you know, 100 grand. I've got, you know, whatever. So from that point on, we added development to part of what we offer our clients now. And it's been really super successful. Uh, and so that bloke I mentioned, his name's Trent. He's still across every one of our client developments and and a part of what we do. And that brings me to 2017. And once again, I see cycles moving and things changing and, you know, much more of the same, 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 you know, different, different, same, same. And I wanted to bring advice, accessible advice to more people. So I sent a text to a bloke. Remember what the text said? I got it written right here. It said, podcast recording once every fortnight, something you're interested in, question mark. And a reply, yeah, sure, mate. <laughs> and that's it. Too funny. Here we are, you know, with the backgrounds that we've got and we're talking on these microphones and and we're real people that people can relate to and we want to give real advice. And that's what this podcast is about. It's not just any podcast. It's a real one. Real property advice. So that's the name of the podcast. That's our backgrounds. And that's what you're going to get. You're going to get real property advice. And that's what you should expect from us. And that's our goal is to not disappoint. So, mate, that's my background. That's yours. Anything else you want to fill us in with? No, mate. Probably all I would say, if there's any questions from any of your listeners, send them in because uh, they're probably not going to get any more honest advice than from you and I. <laughs> so, mate, I totally in. agree with that. All right. Well, that's good. Well, that, that's that hopefully given you listeners uh, our background and some uh, some food for thought, I guess. And to know that we are real people and why we're doing what we're doing. So till next time, I'm Scott Northcott. And I'm Jason Stock. And this is Real Property Advice.